This program has been made possible through the support of Cruise, driving cities forward through their autonomous vehicle development. Learn more about how Cruise is transforming the future of transportation through improving our cities by building safe, shared, and all-electronic self-driving cars. Visit them online at getcruise.com. Opinions expressed on ACB Radio are those of the respective program contributors and do not necessarily reflect views held by the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Good afternoon. I'm Carl Rushable, and I am the outgoing president of the American Council of Blind Lions, and I want to welcome everyone to our Lessons in Leadership session this afternoon at the 60th Convention of the American Council of the Blind. And this is the 50th anniversary of the American Council of Blind Lions. So it's really special for both ACBL and ACB. We're really glad that all of you are joining us this afternoon because we have a wonderful uh, program uh, that you're going to be able to take advantage of. And we hope that you'll gain some information and insights into uh, the uh, better, more ways that you can participate in your local clubs and in other activities that relate to Lions. We have a very um, distinguished guest with us this afternoon, and I'm going to be introducing uh, Lyme Mary Turner in just a minute, turning this over to her for her to do the introductions. But first, I would like to give the opening continuing education credit code for today. If you're using this session for your continuing ed or professional development flex credits, the code is 96225, 96225. Remember that you do not have to complete your report um, immediately after this session or mail it in right after the session. Your reports will be available online and you are invited to complete them uh, as your schedule permits. So we'll be giving you more information about the CEs and the reports. You'll be receiving that in your email following the close of the convention. And now let's, um, uh, let's, let's introduce a couple of people that you need to know. First of all, I want to thank uh, Katie Lear for being our host for this session. And I want to thank Larry Gassman for streaming us on ACB Media. And then I am uh, anxious to introduce Marilee Turner. Um, Marilee Turner is a past district governor. She is a member of ACB Lions. And I very much appreciate her facilitating this session this afternoon. So, Lion Marilee, if you will do us the honors of introducing our speaker. I uh, would appreciate it very much. Thank you very much, Carla. It's my pleasure. It is indeed an honor to be here today and to have the opportunity to introduce Dr. Patty Hill as we embark on this lessons of leadership. You are in great hands. I first got to know Dr. Hill a little bit when she was the the, the mentor and classroom leader for me and all uh, many of the district governors that were going through our final 
several days in preparation before we stepped into the positions of leadership in our community. And um, so that was in 2012 in Busan, South Korea, that I first got to know Dr. Hill. And I can tell you that every time I interacted with her during our training, I found her to be extraordinarily powerful at listening to not only my questions, but all the other students that were in the class with me. And she comes to us with lots of experience. She's from Alberta, Canada, um, a beautiful place that I went to, I've been to several times as a child, and I'm looking forward to going back. Uh, but um, there she has, um, she's been an active lion for um, um, 30 years plus, and she has uh, been a psychologist working in the field of provision of services to deaf children. She has also, she's had numerous accolades over the years as she has been a powerful service provider to children who are deaf and also to the disabled community as she has served on uh, various boards in Alberta that are providing services to folks with disabilities. So she is a, she's not new to um, the world of disability and this, she will be a fabulous leader or she already is, but she'll get to be even in wearing a different hat as second vice district uh, incoming president of the Lions International. And so she will, as, as those of us who are involved with Lions know that uh, it is um, very well known for the provision of eye care to uh, eye care to individuals around the world and in the regard to glasses and also eye surgeries. And uh, Dr. Hill will be, I know, not only concerned with the, um, the quality of lions who are in, who are involved, who are blind, but also to the world as we reach out to provide real services to people who are experiencing the challenges of sight loss and to their families and communities. So it is absolutely my pleasure to introduce Dr. Patty Hill. Thank you for being here, Patty, and I'm eager to hear what you have to share with us today. Well, thank and you so I would very much. Thank you. And Patty has, Dr. Hill has also asked that we let's save our uh, questions till she is done with her presentation so that she can um, then respond, having her full attention on your questions and concerns. So Dr. Hill, you're on. Thank you so much, past district governor and fellow lion, Mary Lee. It's great to be able to do this joint uh, session with you today. Uh, it's always wonderful when we can reconnect with people that we've worked with or served alongside in other situations and, and to feel that connection again, even though we aren't able to gather in person. So yes, 
I am really excited about being here for the American Council of the Blind National Convention and to be able to join you from my home, which is in Western Canada, at all virtual meetings where I attend. I begin by acknowledging our Indigenous peoples of the lands that we live on today. And while we meet on a virtual platform, I'd like to take a moment to acknowledge the importance of the lands which we each call home. We do this to reaffirm our commitment and our responsibility in improving relationships between nations and to improving our own understanding of local Indigenous peoples and their cultures. I uh, live in a land which is home to Inuit, to Métis, and to our First Nations people. We all call this land home and we all steward it together. Mary Lee, thank you for reaching out to me months ago and inviting me to be here with you today. And, and I also want to thank uh, Carla um, for being our, our host today along with Katie Lear and Larry Gassman. But the American Council of the Blind Lions as a, as a group, what you do to make information accessible, to host and, and bring to others uh, continuing education opportunities is outstanding. When I reviewed the National Convention program, which started on the 16th and still runs till the 23rd, I realized that you are making some very hard decisions each day of this convention. There are so many intriguing sessions that you could attend that you really do have to make some hard decisions when you decide which one to be at. I was asked to speak with you today about lessons in leadership. And I wasn't sure until I uh, had some conversations with our panel here today, how many of you might be lions? How many of you might not know very much about lions and what your leadership expectations would be? So I decided that rather than dig into the research because there are probably as many definitions and descriptions of leadership as there are self-help books on the topic. So I'm not going there today. Today, I'm going to focus on some lessons I've learned from my leadership experiences because life is full of experiences. And all of us make countless decisions every day that impact our experience you know, what we choose to do or not to do, what session we tune into, what one we forego, or maybe buy the, uh, the recording of to, to watch later. You know, or even something as simple as, did you eat breakfast today or did you skip it? All these decisions impact our experience of every single day. Now you've already made the choice to log on today for this virtual event. And that choice may change your ideas. It may change your plans for your support group or your state affiliates. It may change your life perspective. Experience always changes us. Sometimes we don't know how until later, but experience always changes us. 
it changes those around us. And it has the power to change the world, one community at a time. I recommend that when you think about the decisions you make every day, that you stop using terms such as it was a good decision or a bad decision. Like, let's not, let's not lay that guilt on any of us. Rather, think about the decisions you've made and then use that experience that you gain from your decisions and make informed decisions as you go forward. Make thoughtful decisions. You know, remember that the outcome of the projects you lead, the lobbying you might undertake, or the service you might offer is not going to be just a success or a failure. Our project outcomes will be either successes or learning opportunities. That's all they are, successes or learning opportunities. Because from every, every experience, we either succeed or we learn. And hopefully, we often do both. Learning is what happens when we seize on those new experiences, when we say yes to opportunities. Now, each of you can change the world one community at a time, whether you lead in a committee, whether you lead in a larger group or your affiliate or your Lions Club, whether you are a leader by election or selection, whether you're a leader by authority of a position or by default. Having found myself in roles as a leader, sometimes by election, sometimes by selection, and sometimes by default, well, regardless, as a leader, I can share with you that doing nothing, maintaining only the status quo is never what we expect our leaders to do. We always want our leaders to enhance our clubs, enhance our affiliates, take us to the next level. So the status quo is never good enough. We need to ask ourselves, what can we do? What can we do better? So it all starts by asking questions. Not asking questions leads to not learning anything new. Not trying new activities will not, not pursuing new opportunities leads to nothing new. So start your leadership journey by asking questions. As a leader, you're not expected to have all the answers, although you may feel that pressure. But I'm here to remind you, leaders don't know all the answers. What's really important is for leaders to ask the right questions. And your teammates, your colleagues, your fellow club members or affiliate members, they don't need to have all the answers either. The important point is to ask the important questions, not the mundane or the status quo, but the important questions that will take us into new territory. And then see, what great ideas emerge when you can have an open, honest discussion together. 
So lesson one today is to build or create an environment, a culture in which ideas can flourish. Have you ever worked or volunteered in an environment where all the new ideas were squashed or denigrated or dismissed, you know, shot down before they ever got explained? You and I know that the person doing the squashing is not a leader, regardless of their title or position. The second lesson I would share today is to build a strong, diverse team because no team succeeds without diversity. I was, I was looking at some of the, uh, the information on your convention website and I was thinking about services, national services for the blind in America. And I somehow ended up on the link to the link to the link to the National Library Service for the Blind at the Library of Congress. And I thought, what diversity that takes to keep that organization running. Right now, the Library of Congress is advertising positions for communication coordinators, technical service associates, librarians, reader service assistants, and more. And they probably need accountants and project managers and community liaison coordinators too. In a similar way, in my role as Alliance Club leader, I've come to depend on the diversity, those diverse area experts who bring to every discussion the knowledge and the experience that is their specialty or their experience. So I rely on people who are experts in service delivery experts in leadership training, membership management, recruiting, advertising and marketing. I mean, I would never expect any one person to be an expert in all of those areas. And then we layer on technical advisors for our work as lions, as knights of the blind. In particular, we have experts who work with us on preventable and reversible blindness. Our association and our foundation, Lions Clubs International Foundation, has dedicated services and grants that Lions Clubs and Lions Districts can access to support work with the blind and the visually impaired. But the Lions from around the world who sit as trustees on that foundation may be experts in fundraising or experts in marketing. So we need our technical experts on the team as well. We rely on experts from the World Health Organization, experts whose training and background is ophthalmology, ophthalmological surgery. Their training and expertise that some of them bring to our discussions is very specifically in epidemiology, because we need to understand disease transmission if we're discussing river blindness. We need to understand how a hospital program in Texas can help to train new ophthalmologists and specialists from all around the world in support of what we do. We need our diverse 
experts. The same is true for low vision services. Certainly you can understand that just because I've spent a career working with children and, and families where deafness and deaf blindness is part of their daily lives, does not make me an expert in understanding all forms of low vision. We also, as lions and, and as community service providers, rely on our experts on the team, whether it's about childhood cancer, environmental sustainability, youth empowerment, world hunger, diabetes prevention and treatment, and more. So as a leader, you can understand that I don't even pretend to have all the answers. And that's part of, I think, what, what gives me clarity. I can look at a situation or a discussion and I will honestly admit to myself, I don't know all the answers. But if I use all the brains that are in the room and if I have a diverse team to call upon, we're going to find diverse ideas and diverse possible solutions, diverse activities that we can embrace to help address any one of these needs. So it's so important to me that leaders truly bring together broadly diverse teams to help build that environment where you're going to have the strength, the diversity to carry out any activity that is on your project list. Think about your role as a leader and all of you are on the leadership team. You're on the leadership team of your community. You're on the leadership team for your family or for your American Council of the Blind Affiliates local, local group. Or maybe you're on the leadership team of your Lions Club. But do you have a diverse team? Who's missing from your team? Do you have young people as well as older people? Do you have technical experts as well as marketing or accounting experts? You do have all the people that you need on your team because as a leader, you have the opportunity to sit back, reflect on your team and decide who else should be invited into the discussions, either as a regular team member or as a consultant. What new perspective do you really need on your team? So build a strong, diverse team. That's lesson number two. It's about being able to admit the help that we need and to create a space to embrace the help that we need. Build a strong team. Now, lesson number three for me is be accountable. All of us plan to succeed, but sometimes our projects or our fundraisers or our events or even our teams find themselves struggling. So take responsibility, but do it together as a team. And if you are the leader of that team, you must set the example. There is no room for blame on a team. I'm going to repeat that. There is no room for blame on a team. There is room for debriefing, for honest discussions, and for finding new and alternative ways forward. 
I'll ask you this question. Do you know the name of the person who designed the O-rings for the space shuttles? No, I don't either. And I didn't bother to Google it because the name and the blame don't matter. The name and the blame don't matter. After the fact, blame can't change the past. It can't change outcomes. We can only change our future plans, right? So the name and the blame don't matter. What matters is that the space shuttle design teams and the operational teams honestly debriefed the problems and the teams pulled together and they found solutions. So what about your last fundraiser? I'm assuming we all are involved in fundraisers because we're all involved in not-for-profit entities. So we fundraise. Did you make as much money as you had hoped? Did you generate the public awareness that you had desired for the cause? Did, you, did your raffle of tickets, tickets arrive on time? And did your team sell as many of those tickets as you'd hoped for? As a leader, remember, the name and the blame don't matter. Focus on the problem, not the person. And turn every problem into an opportunity for future improvement. We can't change the past, but we can use experience to impact the future. List all the activities that you did very well. Those should be celebrated. And then you can look at the ones that could be strengthened, that should be addressed. Consider the opportunities that you have for future success. You know, there are always opportunities that we see after the fact, the would have, could have, should have things. Those are no one's fault. Those are future opportunities. And then consider developing not only your plan for going forward, but your plan B and your plan C. Now, I had a flashback moment when Lion Mary Lee was introducing me, and she referenced our week together in Busan, Korea, where she was there to finesse her skills as a Lion's leader, and I was there to mentor the group she was part of. And on the second day of that event, we all arrived back at our classroom to discover that every one of our teaching and learning materials had been cleaned away by the housekeeping staff the night before. We had nothing with which to work. On top of that, I had a laptop where every single PowerPoint presentation I used would skip ahead in rapid succession so that none of us could even read off what was on the screen. We eventually decided that we had a ghost. There was no other way to explain how everything could possibly go wrong in this one classroom. Well, the good news was that we went with plan B. We had friends in our network who shared materials with us. I didn't have the presentations, but that's okay because not everyone was gonna see them, see them, Anyway, so we carried on using the skills that we had, 
all the experience we had in the room. And at the end, we had a profound experience together. We had a plan A, but in the end, it was probably plan B with a bit of plan C that got us through to success. So be accountable to each other. If you say that you're going to do something, do it. If you're going to provide honest feedback, do that as well. If you see someone struggling with their responsibilities, help them out. This is not a blame game. This is a team effort. Be accountable as a group, as a team, not solely as individuals. And that leads me then to lesson four. Strengthen your relationships. Now, you may all belong to the same Lions Club or the same affiliate, or you might belong to some other group, but strengthen your relationships. Don't take them for granted. As a leader, you have a relationship with everyone on your team. As a teammate, you have a relationship with your leader and all of the other teammates. And everyone has different needs. Not one size will fit all of us on the team. I'm going to share a story from my work life. Uh, most recently, my consulting firm was under contract to provide to our government collaborative consulting services. Oh my heavens, what does that mean? My job was, work, was working with the Department of Education and their experts in providing support to children who had unique learning needs. I also worked with the Department of Health who are responsible for providing services to children and their families if they have unique health or physical needs. We also worked with the Department of Social Services who provided supports to children at risk and their families and foster families. And we also worked with the Department of Disability Services. Now, each one of these partners who came to my table was a senior manager in their field of expertise. And they all had a boss to whom they answered. But they came together at my table. And my role was to get all these government agencies to work together. It was a unique experience for me. Now, every one of the individuals who came to the table was 100% committed to the work that they do. That was never in question. Did we have a common goal? Mm, on paper, we were told we had a common goal and that was to support children and their families the best way we could and to do it collaboratively. But these people weren't bonded to each other not in the beginning. They didn't have a relationship with each other. They had a relationship with the need and the cause, but not with each other. Plus, every year and sometimes mid-year, we had turnover. Some people would leave the team because of a transfer in positions. Other people would be new and would be trying to join in and catch up. Doesn't this sound a bit like your affiliates and your Lions Clubs? 
Some people had lots of knowledge in history, other people didn't. And so how did we bring them all together? How do we build and strengthen relationships? I decided at one point that we had to address the fact that we weren't working well together. So as a leader, I knew that I had to understand my team. I needed to understand them as individuals, not just employees assigned to the task. And so not that I'm saying this is the perfect solution, but I'm sharing what I did. I stopped a meeting and I said, I need to know a bit more about you and your relationship to the work that we do and how we can make it a successful undertaking, a successful project. One of the people who almost always would arrive at the meetings early, depart right on time and never say two words. And I remember her to this day, her name was Cheryl, finally said, I need more time. I get the agenda a week early, but that doesn't give me time to discuss every one of the items on the agenda with my supervisors or come back prepared to make any comments. I need more lead time. I can't process all of this and respond or give you my input without lead time. Well, that was an easy fix. I knew how I could support Cheryl so she could actually participate on the team in the future. And then there was Lorraine. Lorraine worked in a high stress job from the mental health department. And she said, I deal with crisis all the time and there will be crises. Some of our families that are involved with our education partners or our children's services partners, they're going to be in crisis and you're gonna call me and, and I'm going to try to remember, you know, who you are and which area you represent, but I need to know you better. I need to have a personal relationship with you. I need to get to know you outside of the meeting room. And so we started to bring in lunch and have an unscripted lunch before they all had to leave after our morning meeting once a month. And that made it so much easier for Lorraine. You know, they say on that game show, you know, call a friend. And people never hesitate to call a friend, but they might hesitate to call someone who still feels like a stranger. So how do we foster amongst our teams that degree of, of social interaction that bonds them together in ease so they can work easily with each other going forward? So they can provide honest feedback to each other and know it's about the project, not the person. That it's about sharing observations with a friend. And then I want to tell you about Sheila. Sheila said, you know what? I know my own weaknesses. I'll promise you that I'm going to do things and then I'll forget it and I'll miss a deadline. Have you ever worked with someone who promised to do something and then missed a deadline? Sheila and I worked out a system where I knew how to support her. I knew how to be her supportive leader. I just sent her reminders. I would pop up and send her a little text message saying three days till I need your report, two days till I need your report. And that's all she needed. She needed somebody to help her with time management. 
And then there was Marilyn. Marilyn came to us from a highly dysfunctional workplace where there was fractious interaction on a daily basis. And she said, when I come to these meetings, can I just come a little early and stay a little late? Because I need to, I just need to, to breathe. And so we provided her with a space where she could relax and then focus on what our project was for the time that we had her there. And then she could stay a little later and do her work for the project before she was pulled back in to the vacuum, the void that was her other workplace. It's so important that we strengthen relationships, that we build those relationships that allow you to understand each other and support each other. And so me, I think of that as my lesson number four, build relationships that allow partners to understand each other and support each other. Build relationships. That's true for our community partnerships as well. Whether we're a Lions Club or an affiliate, you know, so often we'll reach out to a third party in our communities and maybe we're asking them for funding or maybe we're asking them for support of a project or you know, for access to, to grant monies. But have we built a relationship with them? Are we in relationship with them or are we just users? Are we just one more group asking for something? Build relationship. And how would that work for the American Council of the Blind? How well do, do, do lions work in partnership with you? And how well do you work in partnership with lions? You know, what might lions need in order to work better in partnership with the American Council of the Blind? What do members of the American Council of the Blind at large, not the American Council of the Blind Lions, but American Council of the Blind at large, what might that group need state by state, affiliate by affiliate, to do better work with Lions Clubs? We probably just need to understand each other better. So that leads me to lesson number five. Lesson number five is that we should be building success together. Oh, you can think of other phrases. You might say, you know, how can we make this into a win-win? But we need to build success together. And as a leader, be clear about what you need, but begin with your team's needs. What do they need to succeed? So you might start asking, how may I help you succeed? How can we succeed together? It's that simple. How can we succeed together? That's lesson number five. Begin with the assumption that you will succeed together. Now, having shared those five lessons today, and, and they all involve collaborative communication. At this point, I want to stop this one-way talking and get into some collaborative communication with you. <laughs> let's, let's save this time now for questions and answers and open discussion. Mary Lee? Thank you so much, Dr. Hill. 
I, I um, have been thinking about so many circumstances that I've been in um, where these five lessons really could have been of help. So do we have other, do we have people in our audience that have questions? Yes, ma'am, we sure do. Let me please go over the, uh, how we raise hands and how we mute and unmute. So to raise hand on your computer, it's Alt-Y. On your Mac, it's Option-Y. On the app, it's in the center of the screen. And on your phone, it is star nine. To unmute when I call on you, on the computer, it's going to be Alt-A. On the Mac, it's going to be Command-Shift-A. On your app, it's going to be in the center of the screen. And on your landline phone, it's going to be star six. And Ray Campbell, please unmute, sir. Thank you. Uh, Good afternoon. First of all, before I uh, make my comment, uh, Dr. Hill, uh, as the incoming president of ACB Alliance, I'd like to add my thanks to you for coming today and uh, sharing these great uh, lessons and leadership with us. I think that I really like lesson three that you offered on uh, accountability. Uh, we all want accountability, but uh, I really like what you, you said about that because I think a lot of us are too quick to when something doesn't go like it's supposed to or get done or whatever it might be. We look for somebody to blame. Boy, do we see that. In, I don't know about Canadian politics, but boy, do we see that in U.S. politics. Um, and I really like the idea of what you said about kind of that debrief and using the past to uh, improve the future. So uh, loved all the lessons, but uh, particularly that one really hit me. And so I just wanted to thank you for uh, coming and sharing that. And I think uh, there are so many cases that um, uh, we could uh, use that. And I hope that I know that I'm going to uh, look to, you know, I'm going to demand accountability in my leadership, but I'm also going to uh, look at trying to uh, debrief and understand, you know, maybe somebody had uh, a position that was asked to do something that they they, they, they needed some help, but just didn't feel like they could reach out and ask for help. And I think that's an important part of it, too, making sure that people know that, hey, if they need some help, that that, 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 that we're there as uh, leaders that maybe have asked them to do something to help them. So uh, thank you for sharing. I appreciate that. Well, thank you for your comments, Ray. I want to share with you uh, a technique that is used in Lions uh, leadership training, and you may need okay, to adapt it, too. but um, it's called the snowball event. And so for those of us who use print on paper, in debriefing or analyzing any project or situation, uh, you can invite all the participants to take a piece of paper and put on it the issue that they want addressed. You know, again, no names, no blames, but just saying things like um, the deadline for the report was missed not Bill missed the deadline for the report, but the deadline for the report was missed. Or I didn't feel like I got to contribute, can, you know, can be reframed as everybody's ideas should be included. So you, you coach them a bit on making these no, no names, no blame statements. And then 
all of the papers are crumpled up into giant snowballs. You can imagine a sheet of paper smushed uh-huh. up into a snowball. Then they're thrown all over the room. And then they're gathered up and opened and they're anonymous because nobody knows what table they came from or what corner of the room they were thrown from. And then all of these can be addressed as simple issues that should be on the table, that should be part of the discussion. So there's a little tip for you, the snowball event. Great. Thank you, Dr. Hill. Do we have other hands up, Katie? We do. Area code 951, please unmute. Oh, hi, 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 Dr. Hill and, uh, and everyone else. My name is Nancy. I couldn't unmute for a moment. Um, I, I'm on a couple of committees. I've been the president of my California Council chapter a long, long time ago. I was afraid to make waves. I was afraid people would leave the chapter. I, you know, there, there's a problem with people committing. Like when I'm on a couple of committees, myself, sometimes when I see others not committing, but then sometimes I have a tendency not to want to commit. How, how do how do we stay committed to, to our project? Thank you. That might be a stupid question. I'm sorry about that. It's not a stupid question at all. In fact, every question should be valid. Every question should be discussed, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, it reminds me that even just this morning, I was speaking with our uh, USA and Canada Leos at the Leo Forum. And one of the things I said to our youth group to the Leos was, uh, on the on the issue of leadership, I said, you have to take the lead. You can't always wait to be given a leadership role. You have to take the lead. You know, sometimes you're in the room and nobody puts up their hand. Nobody volunteers. <laughs> so one of the things I've learned as a, as a leader or as a mentor is the importance of preparing people before they're in the room. You know, I may have a sense of... Um, what they're being asked to do, what they're being asked to commit to. But for them, it might be scary, or maybe they haven't had that advanced thinking time like my Cheryl needed. And so if I meet with my team members ahead of time, often one-on-one through a phone call, and I talk to them and I, you know, I maybe sound them out, you know, what, where would you see yourself being able to commit? And number one, we're planting the idea for them. Number two, we're valuing them and saying, I can see a role for you. Can you see it? Hmm. Number three, we're giving them time to think about it and go through the pros and cons and and maybe come back and ask some more questions. But I think sometimes our volunteers feel put on the spot. And so they draw back. (laughs) Another thing is that I know people like to be asked. We're all volunteers, we've already stepped inside the room, we're already on the volunteer roster, but that doesn't mean that we volunteer. Many of us like to be asked, we like to think that we're needed. So I would suggest maybe building on those two ideas to start with Nancy. Great questions. Diana, please unmute. Hello, my name is Diana Oliveira, I'm in Falls Church, Nigeria, and I am a new member of the NFP, the ACB, and um, this is my first convention. I'm very impressed. 
and I'm sorry I missed uh, the beginning of your conference, Doctor. But um, one aspect that uh, I'd like to point out that you mentioned, and for me, it, it can be a problem sometimes, is time management. And um, I think it is, is great that you say no name and no blame, because I have been um, beating myself up about not uh, being able to manage my time properly. And I, um, I appreciate that you mentioned that. And the leader has to help the team members uh, to manage their time. So it's, it's great that you, you mentioned that approach. I, I really appreciate it. But that's one of my difficulties sometimes, um, participating of a project, because I, I have a lot of things going on. And of course, now I'm, I'm more focused in, in this work uh, on advocacy, but I appreciate you mentioning that. Thank you. Thank you so much. Diana. I will just follow up and say, this is a partnership. It's collaborative. You might be working with a leader on a committee or in your affiliate who doesn't reach out and ask you what you need or, or doesn't monitor timelines and deadlines to help you. But don't be shy about asking for that. You know, we need to ask, we need to say, here's what I need to be successful. And so mm -hmm. feel free to reach out or or maybe work with a teammate and say, can we keep each other accounted, accountable? So ask for what you need because they're not mind readers. Thank you for your mm -hmm. comment. Okay, please unmute. Dr. Lion Patty Hill, I really appreciate this. Um, it just so happened that this weekend I am going to a leadership conference they call it the Great, La the Great Plains Lions mm -hmm. Leadership Institute. And I am looking forward to it. I got a chance to look at some of the uh, information ahead of time. And it, the subject matter that they're covering is just going to be phenomenal. And I thought it would be great to hear what you have to say. And you're just reiterating so much. And the other thing is, it's about asking people, you know, for help if you need. I'm now the president of my uh, Lions Club, the St. Louis Southside Lions. And... I, I am really loving it. I'm working with a great bunch of people. And on the flip side, I'm also vice president of an affiliate here in Missouri, uh, the state affiliate. And I see problems where you, my question is, is what do you do when you really feel like, and I'm not trying to play the blame game, I'm really truly not, that you don't have the leadership uh, qualities of people that you really need and again i'm not i'm not maybe there are and you we just don't know it you know what i'm saying uh -huh. so what mm -hmm. what do you do under those circumstances well thanks for that question and by the way i'm not teaching at the great plains lions leadership institute anymore but i've been there and loved it and uh, i i wish you a great experience um thanks. now when it comes to your question about not having the leadership that you need. Um, I, I want to go back to number two, lesson number two, you know, building the team that you need, you know, so think about what's missing and, and how can you bring more people to the team and you may have to coach them along until they feel confident in their leadership. You may be their mentor. <coughs> Um, 
but that's the highest form of leadership is mentorship. And so how, how can we expand this? Um, it, it's not a quick fix, but there are opportunities for leadership development. And many times lions don't understand that it is one of the member benefits. Anyone who becomes a lion can take any of our online courses or our in-person uh, events or virtual webinars on leadership development. And whether that's public speaking or team building or conflict resolution, all those topics, all of those are member benefits that come with being a lion. So maybe, maybe you've got something here that looks like a two-year plan where you start bringing people along and encouraging them in their personal development as emerging leaders. But you've identified the problem You've written it on your piece of paper and turned it into a snowball and tossed it into the room. So now it's about finding the solutions. Um, good luck. And I think you'll find mentors who will help you at the Great Plains Leadership Institute. Mm -hmm. Thank you. I appreciate that. Donna Do Pomerance, we have please unmute. Good afternoon. Thank you for being with us. Um, I am... Uh, um, president of my local Lions Club, and we um, usually do a one-year term, but I was asked to serve a two-year term because we all know what happened last year, and we all know what's going on now, so we're, we're coming back. Um, I appreciate um, your piece on accountability. I think the secret is, and, and what I, you know, how, how can we strive to achieve, um, because we don't, with issues, I guess, the struggle is, I love your idea about the snowballs, and not attaching a name to the issues, that probably will be very, very helpful, Um when we all debrief, we have to talk about the things that were struggles, or as you call them, learning, uh, learning opportunities, as well as the successes. And I think, um, you know, my struggle is, is that folks say, well, we just need to focus on the successes. Because if you talk about the other things, then that's too negative, And then people will go away. So what's your secret to achieving that balance to be real and focused yet journey, you know, promoting that journey to move forward, but in a very real intentional way. And again, thank you for being with us today. Well, thank you for the question, Donna, and your comments. Um, and I wish you a, a great year as your Lions Club becomes more active again and uh, you fulfill some of your plans that you started with a year ago when you became president. I, I would suggest that perhaps you might even want to formalize your process for debriefing an event, an activity, a fundraiser, whatever it might be, good or bad, deemed a success or just a learning opportunity. Uh, formalize it so it doesn't feel like it's it's only suddenly being done at this one project do it for every project mm -hmm. and 
what I recommend you do, because it's something that we do systemically throughout Lions Clubs, is a SWOT analysis. SWOT, S-W-O-T, SWOT. Commonly used in businesses, commonly used in uh, uh, large corporations, but the S stands for strength. S is for strength. W is for weakness. O is for opportunity. And T is for threats. So even if this is a template and a routine that everybody knows you're going to go through, uh, Donna, every single time you say, we're going to debrief, let's start with the strengths. And, and they'll say, well, we did a good job of this and this and this and this, and the project went well for these things. And those were the strengths. And they say, okay, great. That's wonderful. But let's be honest. Let's talk about the weaknesses. We ran out of coffee. We didn't have enough Easter bunnies. Whatever it might be, talk about the weaknesses. Now, strengths and weaknesses are internal to you and your group. Okay. Maybe you didn't have enough people, you know, to handle the crowd that showed up. That would be a weakness you hadn't planned for. But the opportunities are things outside of your control, okay? Outside of your control, but that present as opportunities. So for example, you might've just finished um, a community service event, uh, cleaning up a park, but if the city now says, we've got another park that also needs cleaning, you didn't create that opportunity. It exists in your community, mm -hmm. okay? so partnering with other entities, partnering with these third parties is how you learn about other opportunities. Or when someone brings you something they want you to partner with, that's an opportunity. But what are the opportunities here? And then what are the threats? One of the biggest threats is burnout of our own lions, you know, or, or we don't have, uh, we don't have startup money, or, you know, things, things that could slow down your progress. But if you actually identify those, then you can start to address them. It's like writing them on the snowball. Once it's out there, you can say, what are we gonna do about it? Is this a big enough threat that we should just back off and not do something or call it a once and done? Or is it a small threat that we can manage? Sometimes threats are managed simply by having a plan B. You know, for when you've planned the barbecue and nobody thought about the weather forecast, did you have a plan B? Was there a tent you could uh, uh, erect? Was, was there a, a, a shelter you could move your barbecue to? So if you use a formal SWOT analysis every time, your club's going to get used to this and they're just going to know it's coming. And they're going to be thinking about the strengths as well as the weaknesses. And there won't be a blame game. Roberta, please unmute. Hi, my name is Roberta and I'm from Hawaii. I'm actually brand new to ACB in the last month or so. And I just joined our state affiliate, Hawaii Association of the Blind. And I have my degree in psychology and recently went for my boards for my psychiatry um, doctorship. I just wanted to tell you, Dr. Hill, I really appreciate everything that you've brought to the table today, everything that you've shared. 
I have used a lot of what you have said in past areas of my work experience, as well as I'm planning to assist the Hawaii Association of the Blind now that I'm part of the organization to move forward. And I just wanted to say thank you so much. This has been a really worthwhile experience to be part of the convention and also part of this leadership um, seminar. Thank you. Well, Roberta, thank you for contributing your time and your expertise, for being a team member that will help bring diversity and new perspectives to your team in Hawaii. Congratulations. Area code 808, please unmute. Aloha, this is funny. So my name is Deb. I'm also from Hawaii. This is also my first convention, and I just joined HAB in the beginning of the year as well. So aloha, Roberta. What I would like to ask, first of all, Dr. Hill, thank you very much. You gave a wonderful presentation. I agree with everything you said. I also hold a degree in, in psychology, master's level. What is your best um, take on how to set the group up for success in the beginning while keeping the ego hounds? at bay. There's always a person in the group. What is your recommendation? Thank you very much. Well, thank you for the question. Yeah, I think we all um, recognize that managing groups involves managing people and their, their own desires and their own needs. And I try to remind myself always that when someone needs a certain level of recognition, or they need to have their ego supported, that that's one of their needs. Mm -hmm. And perhaps that's an opportunity for, for me to reach out to that person and, and have that private conversation that says, you know, what do you, what, what will success look like for you in this group? How can we make you feel successful and heard? And how can you make everybody else in the group feel successful and heard. And to open that up and maybe help them reframe the way that they're having their needs met in the group setting. Does that make sense for you? I'm sorry, I muted her. Okay. <laughs> that sure makes sense to me, Mary Lee. Appreciate your response. Thank you. Raymond, please unmute. Good, good afternoon. Uh, thank you, Dr. Hill. I am a recent uh, joined the Greenbelt, um, Greenbelt Lions Club in uh, Prince George County, Maryland. A question, and, and this not, this not, this, this not uh, reflecting on my, my Lions Club, but uh, a couple of groups I'm with. One, two questions. One, I know number two, you put up there about building a team. But when you go into a group, what would be the first two things that that you, if the group has not had the leadership and the, and the group has not been uh, asked to be accountable, they just sort of meet every month, just meet every month, not not producing anything, just meeting for the sake of meeting. And, and what's the two things you would do when you walk into a group like that? The second thing is, all these groups now are starting to age. For some reason, we're not getting the 
the, the younger people to join a lot of these groups, Rotary Club, the Lions Club, all of these different groups. And the people that do we have in the group, I know they say it's, it's a nonprofit group. You know, you don't spend money on the board members and all of that. But how important it is to invest in your members, to let them know that you care about them, that is important uh, to get them to meetings if they can't afford it, to get to leadership meetings, uh, leadership retreats and that kind of thing. How important is it to change the mindset that you should invest in, in your people now? Uh, those two questions, I appreciate it, please. Well, thank you very much, Raymond. I think that was probably six questions. <laughs> well, I, I am yes. a minister. I am one, a <laughs> one, of, one of your first questions was, you know, what happens when you uh, have a group that is just meeting for the sake of meeting? And, you know, I think every, every group is serving a purpose of some kind. And perhaps that group is serving a social purpose for those older members. Uh, it, it is their, their social network. It is their support group almost. And mm -hmm. that's perhaps their primary objective is to get together and to feel connected. Mm -hmm. Now, I would still recommend that you do a larger visioning with them, have them uh, go through that club retreat opportunity, the club excellence, and say, you know, what do we think we can do? What's our purpose? What's our mission? And if you have a subset for whom it, they truly are now a knife and fork club, that they just want to get together to be together, then perhaps what you need is for them to acknowledge that's what they want, but that they won't stand in the way of building a larger group that wants to do other things as well, that wants to respond to community needs and to global needs. So I would, I would suggest that we look at all the needs that that club is meeting and all the needs that club is not meeting and then find a, a way forward. So they might agree to take on one new service in the community. They might agree to uh, open their doors to new members, understanding that they're still gonna be allowed just to sit and eat their meal once a month. Um, secondly, you, you asked about the age gaps and, and the lack of new people joining. We've, in North America, we've gone through a culture where we've said individual needs were more important than societal needs. And that's put us at a disadvantage because those of us who come together for the greater good do it for society. We don't do it for ourselves. However, our young people do volunteer. All the statistics show that young people do volunteer, but they aren't joining traditional clubs. It's not meeting their needs. So we need to ask them. We need them to be in the room and tell us what they need. What do they want? Do they just want online meetings? Do they just want to get text messages that say a project's been organized? It'll be next Saturday down on, you know, in, in the Greenbelt area. And here's what we're doing. Show up. Uh, you know, what do they want? What works for them? How do they build it around young careers and young families? Mm -hmm. Because what I knew 
as a young person in my 20s and 30s volunteering is not going to be the same as it was for them. Living as 20-something, 30-something people today. And as much as we might brainstorm what we think they need, we have a saying that it should not be about me without me. It should not be about me without me. So if we're talking about young people, we shouldn't do that without young people. If we're talking about attracting other ethnic groups, we, sh we shouldn't be planning it without them in the room telling us what their perspective is. We're back to building a diverse team again, Raymond. That's where we're back to. But we need to listen to what they need in order to feel like they belong there. If they don't belong there, they'll walk. Okay. Um, Katie, this is Carla. Yes, ma'am. Uh, and primarily, we are just about out of time. Mm -hmm. We've only got a couple of minutes. Um, so we're going to need to do the ending. And so if you would like to, um, to, to thank uh, Dr. Patio, that would be great. And then I'll give the ending code. Super. Thank you, yeah. Carla. Mm -hmm. Well, Carla, I am, I mean, uh, Dr. Hill, <laughs> I am not the, um, you haven't, you have fulfilled my expectations and um, there's no surprise in that. And <laughs> you, you have brought up so many points that I'm confident that most people that have been attending can uh, relate to in their own lives. And a reminder that Lions Clubs is we are all about leadership and there's lots of ways, as Dr. Hill has said, there's lots of ways um, for each of us as lions to uh, gain leadership skills. And um, so keep that in mind and use your district governors and um, the, uh, the other folks that are around you as lions to support you, encourage you, to lead you onward. And uh, Dr. Hill, it is my pleasure to uh, inform you that um, our organization, the American Council of the Blind Lions, will be sending an honorarium uh, in your name to Lions Clubs International. So thank you so much for being here today. And I look forward to being of service to you however I can be. You know how to get me. <laughs> thank you so much. And may I thank everyone at the American Council of the Blind Lions for your donation to Lions Clubs International Foundation. Let's always pay it forward. Mm -hmm. Thank you. This has been an absolutely fantastic presentation. <clears throat> and um, I want to let, um, let you know, Dr. Hill, how much I have enjoyed this too. Um, my only regret is that it can't go on longer because um, there are more questions and and I'm sure that we could have uh, asked uh, many more questions. This, as I said, has just been fantastic. I want to let those of you know, there are a number of people here who are new to ACB Lions. And of course, uh, we've heard from a couple that are new to ACB. We're so glad everybody is here. ACB Lions meets the first Thursday of each month on Zoom at 9 p.m., no, I'm sorry, 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time. We do have an email list um, that you are uh, welcome to become part of. 
you can subscribe to that list by sending a uh, blank message to acb-lions plus subscribe at acblists.org. That's acb-lions plus subscribe at acblists, dot O-R-G. And we'd love to have everybody on that list. Um, also, if you're interested in becoming a member of ACB Lions, our dues are $15 a year. We also do have a life membership. And you can get more information about that by giving me a phone call at 502-897-1472. 502-897-1472. Be sure also you would like to uh, add registration for ACB Lions onto your registration form that helps support the organization. We will also be happy to share our 50th anniversary pin with you. And uh, that is part of the registration. So go to the ACB registration form and uh, add that to your to your registration. You'll be part of our door prize drawings. If you need more help on that, you can contact the Minnesota office at 612-332-3242. And now finally, the ending CE code for this session is 10214. We hope we see all of you at our August meeting, the first Thursday in August at 8.30 p.m. And thank you for being here today. Thanks to everyone.